0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Amos 3, 1 through 4, 3. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Amos in your Bible. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion cry out from its den if it has caught nothing? Does a bird fall into a snare on the earth when there is no trouble Does a snare spring up from the ground when has taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster befall a city unless the Lord has done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, but who can, pro- who can but prophes- prophesy? Proclaim to the strongholds in Ashdod and to the strongholds in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves on Mount Samaria and see what great tumults are within it and what oppressions are in its midst. They do not know how to do right, says the Lord, those who store up violence and robbery in their strongholds. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, An adversary shall surround the land and strip you of your defense and your strongholds shall be plundered. Thus says the Lord as the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear So shall the people of Israel who live in Samaria be rescued with the corner of a couch and part of a bed Hear and testify against the house of Jacob says the Lord God the God of hosts on the day I punish Israel for its transgressions I will punish the altars of Bethel and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground I will tear down the winter house as well as the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish, and the great houses shall come to an end, says the Lord. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on Mount Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who save their husbands, bring something to drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, the time is surely coming upon you, when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish, fish hooks. Through breaches in the wall, you shall leave, each one straight ahead, and you shall be flung out into Harmon, says the Lord.
1: Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today, and it is inspiring and hopeful. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so we... We're, we're kind of working our way through Amos. Not kind of, we are. Um, and, and passages of scripture like this are difficult. Uh, they're difficult to read, they're difficult to understand, and they're difficult to preach because, uh, well, sometimes it gets a little judgy. Uh, just a little bit. And I, I don't know, that's not how I want to preach it, if you will. Um, I I think this passage can serve a couple of different ways for us. It can be a warning to us and I think it can just prompt us to ask ourselves questions. So this is what I want you to do today. I want you to allow this passage of scripture to read you, okay? That's backwards than how we we normally do it. Like we, we sit down and we read the passage of scripture Um, but sometimes it's appropriate, I think always actually, it's appropriate to to sit and read it and then allow it to ask questions of us. Most of the time those are uncomfortable questions Um, and we have to be a little bit real with ourselves in order for that to happen. But the reason we read passages like this during Lent is not to make you feel bad about yourselves uh, or, or things like that, but it is to allow us to have space and time to look inside, to see who we are, to confess our sinfulness, and ask for strength to walk in a new direction. So that's what, um, that's what this, hopefully, will be. Uh, with that being said, the title of the sermon is, You Fat Cows. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I, 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 some titles, Sam was like, I love the title, and I was like, yeah, sometimes it just come to you and you giggle and I don't really think about it more than that and then who knows. But uh, that'll come, that'll uh, be a little bit uh, more apparent as we get through it. Um, we said last week that we started and I asked you to imagine yourself sitting at the, you were an elder of Israel in uh, the city gate. You were sitting there and where it's where all of the social stuff happens and all of the, the uh, court kind of things happen. And uh, you're sitting there and a man comes up and starts to talk. And he starts, a man named who identifies himself as Amos, right? The, the writer of this passage. And uh, he starts talking bad about uh, all of Israel's neighbors. Uh, he starts bringing judgment. God's going to destroy these people for all of their sinfulness. And, and I, I ask you to kind of live in that moment and the excitement uh, that you might have felt as you continue to hear God pronouncing judgment on your enemies. And you get all the way up to God pronouncing judgment on Judah, which is, uh, by this point, Israel's in two different countries. So the northern nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah, where Jerusalem is, and Samaria is the, uh, uh, the capital of the north um, there. And uh, so it gets to the point where God is pronouncing judgment on Judah even, and, and is like, yes, because they don't like each other because there's some bad blood there. Uh, Amos rounds off the, the opening to his book, though, with, uh, well, with a judgment on Israel. So uh, all of that excitement kind of comes smashing down as Amos confronts Israel for, for their sinfulness. Uh, we're going to go forward today in that, and I promise you that by the end, the book of Amos ends with hope. I promise. I promise. So you just got to believe me. Uh, the backdrop to all of this, though, is covenant. Uh, it's, it's what the kids are talking about today. Uh, covenant. Um, the closest thing we have, kind of a covenant today, is is marriage, right? Where where one partner pledges uh, faithfulness to another. Fun thing happened yesterday. No, Friday. Uh, I get a phone call, and this guy's like, um, "Do you want to give it? Get us married?" The, uh, yeah, so he, he calls and he's like, we we, we were going to go to the courthouse. We have the marriage license and everything. Um, if we didn't want to do it there. Would we be able to come to your church and do a wedding? And uh, so I thought about it for a second. I was like, ah, I usually like to, like talk to people and know them beforehand and know what they're getting into. And I was like, they're going to get married anyway, regardless of whether I do it. So I might as well make a contact with this with this guy and his family. And so they, they came and, uh, you know, we stood here and the same, day. same day. So he called at about ten. This yes, so he called about ten, and about three thirty, they said, "I do." So uh, he had some muddy boots on, and they said, "We'll use your vows," and then they came and brought their own that they had gotten off the internet, which was which is great. Uh, but that's that's what it is. They 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 stood here and they they confess their love for each other and they confess their willingness to go through life uh, together. A covenant of faithfulness. Um, and, and I'm happy to be a part of those kinds of things because I, I kind of like, well, I kind of like people and them getting married and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so it's a covenant of faithfulness and, and so Israel, uh, Amos is reminding Israel that they engaged, they, they undertook covenant. God says, I've called you to be my people, and you have said, Yes, we will be your people. Uh, God said, I do, and Israel said, I do too. And for a long time. Now um, this should this should give us some uh, well perspective. Israel and God's marriage is is not the greatest. Just if we if we read through the Uh, Old Testament. We don't get very far out of somewhere like Egypt in the Exodus uh, before things start to go south. Well, um, this this story, this uh, chapter starts with this. Hear the word of the Lord that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Uh, Amos begins again by saying, uh, I, have, I have made a special covenant with you. I've made this relationship with you, and you have been special, and And you were once poor and oppressed. You were once slaves in Egypt, being beaten down, making bricks out of mud and straw. And I brought you up out of there, and I made another covenant with you, and I gave you the guidelines for how this thing is going. Uh, you only have I known of all the families on the earth. Uh, the word know there has uh, some, uh, it's more than just like uh, a, I know you, but has more intimate connotations to it. Uh, and, and so Amos is, is saying like the relationship that God has with Israel is more than just something that's casual. It is something that is deep um, and, uh, and strong, well, on God's part anyway. So he, he, um, he reminds them of this covenant. And then what goes next, he asks a couple of questions that are like this. Uh, Do two walk together unless they have made an appointment? Uh, does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Uh... Does a bird fall into a snare on the earth when there is no trap for it? Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? All of these questions are uh, to get Amos's hearers to say, no, of course not. No, of course not. And by the time we get to the end of this row of questions, like Israel is, is primed and ready to continue to answer uh, yes or no, like, these things don't happen unless they agree to it. And, and the point of all of these questions, remember this is poetry, so you know, poetry isn't always the most succinct. Uh, but the point of all of these questions is to remind Israel that they themselves in willingly engaged in this covenant with God. That, uh, that what is happening right here uh, for Israel? All of the, the, the judgment that God is going to speak to them is uh well it's it's proper because Israel has said, Yes, we will play by the rules. We will be your people, and you will be our God in faithfulness. And it, Israel turns out to be really, really, really bad at that. Um and so God's saying, uh we 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 hashed it out like we said this is what will happen. This is, these are the blessings that will happen to you if you are faithful and these are the consequences that will take place if you are not. So it's really, really important to understand, especially in books like this, that the things that God says are going to come to God's people because of their unfaithfulness are usually a result of the activities and behaviors they've participated in. Uh, that God's judgment almost always look like God taking his hand of protection away from Israel. Saying, fine, if you don't want to live in this covenant relationship with me, then I'm not going to protect you in the same way. Now, caveat here, God does this. God allows us to experience the consequences of our decisions always with the end that we will return. That God once again will bring his steadying, creative hand and to reshape us into who he's called us to be. To bring about life again. That's why I said, Amos, we're ending, we will end in hope. Does that make sense? All right, if I can read my uh, my notes here. Okay. So uh, we go a little farther, and in verse 9, Amos says this then. Proclaim to the strongholds of Ashdod. That's dod, right? That, those are Ds. I think all week I've been reading it Bs. Yep, yep. It happens, yeah. I'm, and so I'm really glad that Sam read it that way because I would have read it wrong, and you would have laughed. Um, and so the image begins to change. I want you to kind of imagine this. Uh, Ashdod actually is a, is a Philistine stronghold, and so God is setting up this, this image. He's calling all of Israel's neighbors to, to gather um, around Mount Samaria. Uh, and we want you to imagine this giant stronghold, a fortress, if you will. And inside this fortress is all of the things that Israel has made. Uh, Maybe uh, upon first imagining, I I think of it as all of their all of their strength, their their military might, and at the same time, all of their their wealth and their their goods, all of the things that that God has blessed them with, Um, and they enclosed it in this uh, in this fortress. by the way, we've got to remember that, that Israel at this point is doing really well uh, economically, politically. Uh, they are comfortable and affluent. And so God calls the nation and says, come and and come and look inside Israel's stronghold, their fortress, where all of the things that they have stored up for themselves are kept. And, uh, and what do they see? I think we Amos wants us to have this image of all the good things that they're going to see, but what Amos really wants us to see that are uh, inside Israel's stronghold are great tumults. It's a great word and oppressions. Uh, in in other words, the things that Israel has stored up for itself is not strength and riches. Uh, the things that Israel has stored up for it are all of the things. That they have done in order to gain uh, strength and riches for themselves. This makes sense to me. Uh, Israel, a lot of what they had was because God had blessed them. But they had taken those things and they had misused them and they continued to, uh, well, to exploit their neighbors. Uh, so the rich people got even richer and the poor people got even poorer. And they did this by by oppression and by violence. Uh, This is the same charges that, that God levied on all of the nations around Israel as well that we looked at yesterday. They don't know how to do right, says the Lord. Those who store violence and robbery in their strongholds. Therefore, thus says the Lord, an adversary shall surround the land and strip you of your defenses, and your strongholds shall be plundered. Uh, Thus says the Lord, as the shepherd rescues the mouth of the the lion, two legs and a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who live in Samaria be rescued with the corner of a couch and a part of a bed. God is saying, all of the things that you have done to other people are going to come back on you. And not much is going to be left. This is is where I remind you that we are not being judgy. We are asking you to allow the text to read you and to ask questions of you. Like I said, this can be a warning to us anyway. Uh, So there's the image. God is going to bring Uh, this judgment on them and all of the things that Israel has done to other people are now going to end up being done to them. All right. So we go forward. Uh, Let's see. Okay, this slide is, is wrong. Something got cut off, but... Um, Amos then says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan and you who are on Mount Samaria, Samaria who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to their husbands, bring us something to drink. So Amos has, has spoken sternly to those who have actively engaged in acts of violence and oppression. Uh, and he's bringing judgment on them. He's like, this is what's going to happen to you. He turns the corner now And he talks to all of those people's wives. I'm not, I don't make this up. This is the image. He calls them cows. Uh, Bashan was a nice plain. It was really, really fertile. It had lots of grass. And so the cattle that grazed there were well fed and and plump. I'm not calling any of you cows. I'm not calling you plump. The point that Amos, though, is trying to make is is that that God's judgment comes not on just those who have done the bad things. Uh, None of us have violently oppressed anybody, right? Uh, We've not stolen and robbed and cheated, hopefully, But what Amos is saying, what God is saying to us, is that even those uh, who participate in the, well, who benefit from those acts of violence and oppression uh, will end up facing God's wrath as well. Uh, Hopefully you're seeing a connection. Like Israel... Uh, In this image is, is a guy and he's gone out and he has plundered and pillaged and built a strong house. And he has built up riches for himself. And God's judgment is going to come upon him. And Amos is also coming along and saying, but your wife, who has enjoyed all of the good things that you have stolen for her, who will sit around in her laziness, not calling women lazy, sit around and and tell you to go get them more drink. Uh, to do whatever it needs to be done so that you can support the lifestyle that you've been living. Uh, trying to, I, I put all the scripture in here and I don't know which one, what I wanna read for us and where we're going next. Okay, here we go. This is where we want to go. So with that in mind, uh, and I, I realize that's hard, right? Like that's hard for us to hear. And you're saying, I don't know really how this applies to me. Uh, and I, I, I wonder sometimes though, if sometimes in our country that we have benefited from, I, I don't know, exploitation of others as we have all of our good things and I don't want you to feel guilty because that's the world we live in and, and none of us really can influence on a grand scale everything that happens. Uh, this, this, am I making any sense or am I just making you mad? Uh, not, well, I mean, maybe forced labor. Maybe it's uh, sweatshops that make this really nice shirt that I have. Uh, or, um, or oil fields that ruin, you know, the land's productivity in some places. I don't know. Maybe not. MFA oil, yeah. <laughs> Tires, then. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, it's got really awkward. Is she a review? Yeah, she is. Yeah, we ha- we have a board meeting and it's review time. I, I scheduled this one great. Uh, I I think I- we're not perfect. Our country isn't perfect, and it's hard we to to live with all of the the wealth that we do have, knowing sometimes that there are those out there who because of us, perhaps, are not living as great as they could. So with that, what, what makes Israel difficult and what makes this, I think, difficult for us, uh, read this, verse, verse four. Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes every three days. Bring a thank offering of leavened bread and proclaim a free will offering. Offerings, publish them, for you love, for you so love to do, O people of Israel, says the Lord. Part of what's happening here is Israel is doing all of this this bad stuff, and yet they are still worshiping as if they were living uh, uh, sin free lives. And, and, and God is saying, ah, I don't care about your worship necessarily if you are actively engaging in hurting other people. Uh, I think that, that asks us maybe something. Um, in our... In our I don't know. This, this isn't going as I, uh, as I wrote it up. I, I think what this passage asks us to do is it to look at our lives. To look at, at how we're living. And maybe the, the systems that we are caught up in, that we were born into. Uh, systems that sometimes oppress and violate and rob. And from sometimes that we benefit from those things. Uh, and, and to ask ourselves, like, how maybe, how maybe can I untangle myself from some of that? Which I don't know that it's entirely possible. H- how do I come to worship and, and giving myself in worship to God uh, in the midst of all of those things? I think I've come up with a couple of things that will help us maybe in the midst of this. Um, To the answer to the question, what now? Like, what does all this mean for us? I think that we have to ask ourselves how we might be able to find ways of living in economic justice. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like for us, but I think two things that we need to pray for if we were going to take God's warning to those who do harm to other people for their own gain. One, we need to ask that God might help us be compassionate. Uh, That we might see maybe a little bit more clearly what's going on around us and how we benefit from some of the evil that's in the world that, that in, a, in the midst of that we might be compassionate. And the second thing I think is that we need to ask God to help us to be generous. We've been so richly blessed. And, and I, think, I think this is where maybe generosity and worship go together. Uh, that the tendency is always kind of to take for ourselves, to, to benefit only ourselves and to work really hard for that end. And, and I, I want you to work hard, but I want you to be generous, uh, a compassionate generosity uh, that holds lightly the things that we have, that says these all are from God, uh, these gifts that we have, To maybe, I I don't know, to be compassionately generous. And I think there's a million different ways in our week, in our lives. This doesn't have to be like solving world hunger. And maybe it's just solving one person's hunger. Or, I don't know. I think you know when you see them the opportunities you might have throughout the week to live with compassionate generosity so that when you come to this place and we worship together, we might worship well and with clean hands and a clean heart. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper. Um, and I think one of the things why, I, why we do this, the Lord's Supper anyway, every week, is because I think most of the time it has some kind of connection with whatever we're, we're talking about. I think uh, the story of the cross that we narrate each time we read the words that we're about to read, Uh, The story of the cross that um, we participate in as we take uh, new bread this week, different kind, it won't be so horrible, apparently it's been pretty bad, Uh, but that as, as we participate in this meal, it is for us an act of compassionate generosity on God's behalf. It is generosity of the greatest sort that gave all of Jesus himself to us for our salvation. And it calls us then to be like Christ in Christ's compassionate generosity. Maybe that doesn't look like you dying on a cross, but maybe it looks like not always having the biggest, best thing, which is something I struggle with uh, myself. So as you, as you come up, I want you to, um, and Lori keeps telling me I need to put these things on the screen, and I will, I promise. I want you to ask God to help you live with compassion. I want you to ask God to help you live with generosity. Um, that you might be more and more like Him, even in the midst of a world that's constantly bent towards selfishness and obtaining what we want through force.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.